Hey, welcome to the Project Church podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. That was an introduction. And that microphone is loud. How are we doing, Project Church? I'm excited. First and foremost, want to give honor where honor is due. Fathers in the house, can you raise your hand for me? Come on, can we give it up for the fathers in here this morning? Thank you guys for leading this generation. Thank you for setting the example and being here this morning. I know you could have been anywhere, but you're here. And thank you for joining us. Um, You know, before I begin, I do want to give honor to our lead pastors, Caleb and Chrissy Cole. If you've only been coming for the last two to three weeks, um, you've only gotten guest speakers, and you have gotten to experience a little bit of Project Church But if I tell you this, this is the truth. Pastor Caleb and Chrissy, they're the real deal. Um, I'm biased, but I would say that they're probably some of the most high-quality leaders that you can possibly get yourself around. And they make the gospel very easy to understand. So listen, if you've only been coming for a few short weeks, I want to encourage you. Two weeks, they're going to be back. July 4th, they'll be back here from sabbatical, fired up, filled up, ready to preach. And so when they come back, come enjoy Project Church with our lead pastors. But I know they're not listening, but they're going to go back and listen. So can we give honor to where honor is due to Pastor Caleb and Chrissy? You know, that, you know they have trained, a, I didn't put this in my notes, but you know they've trained a team well when the house is still full and, and everything is so smooth even when they're not here. Um, so they're incredible leaders. But, but I want to get started. I got a message for you today I believe is going to encourage you on Father's Day. Um, but I wanted to start off and kind of just gauge the audience, see who I'm working with this morning. Um, you know, a few months back, I was with my wife right here in the front row. She's beautiful, pregnant, uh, seven months pregnant, baby boy on the way. A little bit about us. I've been building a lot of furniture. And um, she's pregnant. And, and you know if, if, if somebody's pregnant, um, a lot of the times they get tired very easily. Okay? She's about to get exposed, but I love you. Um, also, hungry. A lot. Like a lot. Okay? And so it's late at night, and I'm driving home, and I'm coming down this road, and there's a red light about to come on. It turns yellow. And as it turns yellow, I'm kind of at a crossroads in my mind trying to just, you know, what do I do do here? Um, I don't know about you if you're indecisive, but I think there are two types of people in the room when you're approaching a yellow light. Let's just gauge for everybody in here. A yellow light's coming up, and you decide, I'm going to hit the gas pedal. Who's the gas pedal people? All right. You're dangerous, okay? You are dangerous. You're the reason I pay so much for car insurance. You're the reason I'm scared to be on the road. And when my youth students start driving, I'm even more scared then. Okay? Now, there's another type of person who um, I refer to them as Safety Sally. Safety Sally is amazing. They keep the road safe. My wife is one of them. Um, We've already agreed she'll teach our son how to drive. But a yellow light comes up, and and you you decide, I'm going to hit the brake pedal. Any brake pedal people in here? Okay. Okay, so just a few. I mean, hey, no shame. You keep the road safe. People like me think I can get to my destination quicker, but I fly through red lights constantly. Um, And there's a lot of my friends in here that are in here. Hey, don't shame me, okay? I'm preaching. I got the pulpit for the next 32 minutes, so you will listen. And um, I come up to the intersection, and I freeze up. Okay, I do this a lot. A lot of my friends will will testify of this. Um, So I got my pregnant wife in the car. We're going down the road. A yellow light comes on, and I I take my foot off the brake and off the gas, and I think to myself, am I too far away to hit the gas, or, or could I make it here? And so what do I do? 
No, no, I froze up, okay? I didn't do either one, and I coasted through the intersection. <laughs> By far, the worst thing I could have done. I got a pregnant wife in the car. She's tired. She's hungry. And a yellow light comes on. It's like the three worst things that could possibly happen to me, and I freeze up. A couple months later, I get a red light ticket in the mail, okay? It was worth it because I didn't have to stay up till 2 in the morning having a conversation, if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, she got home and we got some food. But as I was preparing for this message, you're probably wondering, like, hey, man, like, what does this have to do with what you're preaching about? Nothing. Let's close in prayer. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you know, I felt like when I was preparing for this message that, that there are a lot of you and a lot, just like me, a lot of the time that we're, we're kind of approaching this intersection, and let's call the intersection faith. We're at life and faith. And we're coming up to the intersection, and maybe God is calling you to the other side. Maybe he's asking you to let go of something from the past. And you're coming up to this intersection, and you're thinking to yourself, just like me, do I stay or do I go? Do I stay where I am or do I go where God is calling me to go? And there's this amazing story in Mark chapter 9 we're going to read about of some disciples and a father on Father's Day. I'm going to target some fathers. A father that has a sick son. And he's at an intersection realizing, I, I got to make a decision. Do I stay where I am or do I go where God is calling me to go? Now, I'll give you a little bit of context. Mark chapter 9, it opens up, and there's this amazing story of Jesus taking three disciples, Peter, James, and John, up onto a mountain. Now, I, I don't know why these are his favorite. Peter cuts a dude's ear off, and he cusses all the time. Jesus chose him. Okay, so if you cuss, it's okay. God still loves you. Um, and somebody's like, dang it, how did he know that? There's John who's like super conceited, but he loves people. But he writes about himself in the Bible, and he says, hey, I'm, G I'm, I'm John, the one that Jesus loves. He's like, hey, hey, it's like introducing yourself like, hey, man, what's your name? He's like, I'm John. And I'm like, uh, he's like, I'm John, the one that Jesus loves. I'm like, cool, man. Um, I'm a youth pastor. Uh, that's pretty much it. And John's like, no, I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm God's favorite. And these are the three that Jesus takes up on the mountain with him. Now, they get up on this mountain in an extraordinary scene. I'm going to just go through it quickly. happens where the, the clouds come overhead. They're dark. And then Peter and James and John are watching this scene happen where Moses and Elijah come out of the clouds. And Jesus is having a discussion with Moses, Eli or, excuse me, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus are talking. And then to top it all off, God's voice starts to speak. And he's like, hey, this is my son who I love. Listen to him. Now, that was probably prophetic. They probably needed to listen to God a little bit more. But they, all this is happening, and I can imagine Peter. He gets the most mic time out of anybody. Peter's all, oh, my God. Oh, I shouldn't say that in church. But nobody's going to believe this. And he gets out his phone to get on Instagram. Nobody's going to believe this one. I just saw Moses and Elijah, and he's, like, trying to get pictures. He's like, John, give me my phone. And he's like, no, Jesus loves me. He's like, what does that have to do with anything? I don't know, but he loves me. And this scene kind of wraps up, and they're all on their way down the mountain at this point, and they're all talking about it. And then they come down to a crowd, and this crowd is, um, they're passionate, you know? You ever have a passionate conversation? Some people call it arguing. I've been married. I now call it passionate. And uh, they're having a passionate conversation. And in this passionate conversation, we see that there's a father. Now, I'm going to read you a few short verses. They're coming down the mountain. There's a passionate crowd. And they're going to have it on the screen here from Mark chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, open up to those. If not, you can follow along on the screen. It says this in Mark chapter 9, verse 14. It said, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and teachers of the law arguing with them. And it says, as soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. Can you say overwhelmed with wonder? Overwhelmed with wonder, 
and they ran to greet Jesus. He said to them, what are you arguing with them about? Now a man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and they become rigid. So I asked your disciples, hey, drive out the spirit, but they weren't able to. And Jesus replied to them, you unbelieving generation, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with this? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought the sick boy to Jesus. And when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately convulsed and threw the boy into a convulsion. Said he fell to the ground and he rolled around from me the mouth. And then Jesus asks kind of a rhetorical question. He does this a lot. It's like when you pray, you're like, God, what do I do? He's like, that's a good question. What do you think you should do? I think you know exactly what you should do. He said, how long has he been like this? And the father said, from childhood, it's often thrown him into the fire or the water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus replied, if you can, like kind of taking back, like if you can, everything is possible for the one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. We're going we're gonna to study this scripture a lot this morning. Help me overcome my unbelief. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you for these short, brief moments that we share in your presence. God, collectively as a community, we're saying we don't want to be the same. We just want more of you. So this morning, God, we ask that you'd open up our eyes to see you, transform our hearts and our minds. And God, um, this year we pray that the 2021 Super Bowl champions would be rightfully crowned the Seattle Seahawks. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You're in church. You have to say amen. Thank you for agreeing with me. Uh, as I was preparing for this message this morning, there was um, a scripture that came to mind. Somebody just said, wow. No, no, no. Wow, you. The Seahawks will win. <laughs> there was a scripture that came to mind, as we're getting past that now, um, that we've all heard. It's on business cards, billboards. You've seen it on T-shirts. And it's faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without works is dead. And, and one of those works that we talk about is actually words. In the book of Proverbs, it actually talks about how your, your voice and your tongue, it has the power of life and death. We've all read this. Your tongue, your words that you use have the power of life or death. Let me give you a few examples. Um, I can pretty much guarantee if you're married in here, or you know somebody that's married, that you won't find a healthy marriage where the spouses are constantly speaking down on each other, putting each other down, speaking the wrong words. We can agree, right? Um, let, me just, let me just target the single people. Uh, single people, they're more at the 11 o'clock, but if you're in here, single people, you probably won't find the right person you're supposed to marry if you're constantly saying, I hate my singleness season. Oh, it's going to be this way forever. I don't know how I'm going to get past this. I think that if we just start aligning our words differently, God, I know that this is, I don't want to be single forever, but God, you're, you're aligning something good. I wonder if we started using the right words with our children in our community groups. I wonder what could happen? So when I was thinking about this verse, faith without works is dead, I kind of felt like God wanted me to tell you this morning, and this is, this is something that was like a sucker punch to me. But if faith without works is dead, and a work we talk about is words, then maybe faith with the wrong words is dead. Maybe if we're constantly speaking the wrong words, but we say, hey, I got faith, but I'm always speaking the wrong words, I, I wonder what we're going to see the result of. Bible actually says that our lives will be known by the fruit of it. And I think our fruit is watered by the words that we use. See, the reason why when we're in the season that we're in and we don't like it and we're trying so hard to get to the other season, why? We think, oh, man, grass is greener on the other side, don't we? 
But can I tell you, when you use the right words, the grass is not greener on the other side. The grass is greener right where you water it. And today, wherever you are, whatever you're walking through, if you choose to settle down right here and say, God, I will use the right words. Whatever your word says, that's what I'm going to choose to speak. I promise you, you'll see fruit in this season. You'll see fruit even in the struggle. You'll see fruit even in the stress. So my challenge to you this morning is to start using the right words because hear this. God, we can all agree, God is the designer of our life. Before we began, he was the designer. But I think he's empowered us with words to be the director of our life. Like words have the ability to direct the steps that we take, right? The jobs we take, right? The the spouse we married, our words have a lot to do with that. And so today as I begin this message, this is the only thing I'm going to ask you is that somebody in here today, they came in needing to take their words back. Somebody in here needed today to come in and they say, hey, I'm going to war on my words. I'm not using the wrong words anymore. I'm not speaking death over my situation anymore. No matter how how bleak it was, no matter the report I got, I'm choosing today to take my words back. Can you say amen? Amen. All right, so here's what's happening. We're getting this story. The father, he's got a sick son. He's possessed by an evil spirit. And what happens in Mark chapter 9 is it shows us that the father was overwhelmed. Why was he overwhelmed? Well, not only was his, his son um, possessed by an evil spirit, but there's, there's three distinct things that are happening here. One, it says theologians would say that he went to a lot of doctors. He, he went out looking for a better report. You ever do that before? You, you get some news that you don't like, and you're like, man, if I just get around so-and-so, it'll, they'll make it better. But really, they can make you feel good for a minute. So he went to doctors. Medication wasn't helping. Therapists weren't helping. All great things. But for his son, nothing was working. So he went to the next step. He said, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go to church. And he went looking for Jesus, but instead he got stuck with the disciples. And then the disciples can't cast out this evil spirit. So he was like, great, I'm 0 for 2. He said, all right, there's one more thing. Uh, Theologians would tell you that if he brought his son to a a Jewish exorcist, that maybe they'd be able to cast this, this demon out of him. But they said because the spirit that was in him made him mute. He, he, he could not speak. They said it's, they actually labeled it this way. They said if he can't speak, if we can't ask the demon what his name is, then we can't get him to come out. And they would say it's actually nearly impossible for that to come out. So the father is getting bad report after bad report. People are labeling his son, labeling his situation. And I bet you for a moment there's a spot for him where he even himself said, man, I'm overwhelmed. You know, for me this morning, Pastor Caleb asked me to preach a couple months ago. And he said, I'm going to label the series first sermon ever. And I said, "Ooh, easy. Not my first sermon ever. Kind of insulting, but I'll do it. And then I got up here and I saw that it was best sermon ever. And I'm like, oh, okay, that, that changes everything. I'm a, I'm a, and you probably have heard these words, unless you've said them. I'm overwhelmed. Have you heard these words before? That's my message title. If you're taking notes, write it down. I'm overwhelmed. I've heard this a lot in 2020, 2021, but I I don't know about you if if you identify with this father who has a situation that's outside of his control. He, He can't do anything about it, and he's overwhelmed. Overwhelmed that nobody can help him, overwhelmed that nothing is going right for him. Have you been overwhelmed in 2021? Have you been overwhelmed by your stress? Maybe your marriage is kind of struggling. Have you been overwhelmed by it? And I felt like in 2021, there's more people that can identify with these words. I'm overwhelmed. These are words that come out of our mouth so often. And if we actually look at the scripture, it shows how we respond to it. Look what happens in Mark chapter 9. Um, you can go to verse 21 if you could throw that on the screen. It said this, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has your son been like this? 
And the father answered with his words from childhood. Now, I find this interesting for a few reasons. Number one, we don't know how old the boy was at this time when he's talking with Jesus. We also don't know when this demon possessed this boy. But for all the parents in the room, we can, it just even a logical human being could say, if, if he answers from childhood, then that means years must have gone by. And if years have gone by, many theologians maybe would have said it could have been up to a decade that had went by. And he had went to people for comfort. He had went to doctors for comfort. And nothing could help. But yet, you know what I find interesting is if there's a, an elongated period of time that it took him to actually bring him to Jesus, I wonder why the boy's father chose everything else rather than crossing the intersection of faith and saying, I'm going to take him to Jesus. And I felt like today on Father's Day 2021 that there were a lot of people that had been trying a lot of things, but yet it's taking you years to bring it to Jesus. L let me ask you, what's the miracle that you've been needing? What's, what's the sin problem? You're like, yo, I've been struggling with this. You have no idea. It's been decades. You're right. Maybe I don't know that struggle, but you know what I do know? That one second, one moment in the presence of God changes everything. And that's what this father got a hold of. He said, hold on, if, if, if Jesus can do anything, some of you walked in like, that's how I walked into church. I'm like, my life sucks. But if Jesus can do anything, I'll give him a shot. And, and maybe you walked in with that kind of faith this morning. That's okay. Because guess what? One moment in his presence changes everything. So I don't know what you've been holding out on. I don't know what you've been bringing to other people. But can I tell you, there's only one person who has the power and the authority of the final word. It's not your doctor. It's not your spouse. And can I tell you this? It's not even you. Not even you get to label a situation final. There's only one, and his name is Jesus. And I think that if we'll lean into the story this morning, I think if we'll lean in for 10 minutes, you'll begin to identify and be like, yo, I'm... I'm just like the father. And here's why I say that. The father was a believer. Like I said, I, I don't know the extent of his faith. I can't tell you he lived perfectly. But the fact that he was in that spot where he said, hey, my life sucks, nothing's working, I'm going to go to Jesus, showed that he had a little bit of faith that maybe Jesus could do something. Maybe Jesus could do something. And you know what I find interesting? Jesus made him wait, but he didn't tell him to wait. He went looking for Jesus, and yet he got the disciples. Now, I want you to understand what he got stuck with. This is like the greatest. We hate waiting, don't we? Waiting is a cuss word to millennials. We don't like it. And this is what happens. He goes looking for Jesus, and he gets stuck with the disciples. They don't cast this demon out of him. And yet, even after this happens, they're walking away, and Jesus is in front of them. And they're like, man, that sucks. We couldn't cast it out. And then literally the next thing the Bible says they talk about was, huh hey, but I'm Peter, I'm the best one. They're arguing about who the greatest disciple is after they fail. I want that kind of confidence that after I fail, I'm like, I'm still great. I want to lose the next basketball game and be like, I'm better than Michael Jordan. I want that kind of faith. And, they're arguing, and the father gets stuck with those disciples. And Jesus was still on his way. Jesus still had a plan to come and heal the son, but it, it took a little bit longer than he had thought. Have you been there before? Overwhelmed by your circumstances? You've had faith, but you've also had some doubts. Have you been there before? And I want to say this. This isn't in my message, but somebody, uh, you've come in with a really real situation, something really painful, something that you, you can't see the other side of right now. Let me tell you something. It's okay to feel it. It's okay to feel what you're going through. But just like Lazarus being raised from the grave with Mary and Martha, with Jesus, Jesus cried. 
Yet he still knew God was going to heal it. He still knew that Jesus still cried knowing that he's going to raise Lazarus from the grave. So if you're walking through something difficult right now, can I tell you, it's okay to feel it. It doesn't mean that God's not going to come in your situation. So the father responds, sorry I got sidetracked. The father responds and he said this. With his doubt, with his faith but a little bit of his doubt, he said, Jesus, um, if you can do anything, just take pity on us. Now, I don't like the word pity. I chose not to read that part for a long time because growing up with an older brother, pity was like the, the greatest form of weakness. Do, taking pity on me? No, don't take pity on me. Let's go again. Like, let's stand up. Let's fight again. That was me and my brother. Let's fight again, right? You don't want pity. But the father said, take pity on me and just, just help us, man. I've tried everything. Just help us. And you know what's amazing? He had a little bit of faith. We see that, right? Like we all can notice he brought his son looking for Jesus. He, he had some faith. But what I find amazing is that his words were he struggled since childhood. And if you can do anything, he came to the Messiah, the one who was raising sick people, raising dead people, like opening blind eyes. He said, if you can do anything, just take pity on us. And this is what happens for us is when we have faith and doubt mixed together when your words don't align with your faith, it causes you doubt. And a lot of you are like, oh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. Like, I, I have faith. Um, but if there's any amount of doubt inside of you, just like the Father, it might cause your words to sound doubtful that God will actually work for you. Why? A lot of the times we've had this perspective, and I know it to be true because I've been there. We think, no, nah, man, like, hey, it's amazing Johnny healed, or God healed Johnny. It's amazing their marriage got restored, but... You know, I just don't think God's going to do it for me. You know, we, we've, we've thought this for a long time. Uh, no, man, you know, that's great, but uh, it, it's too good to believe. God's grace is too good to believe for me. Can I tell you this morning the simple truth that his grace, it's not too good to believe. It's actually the polar opposite. It's too good not to believe. When you see what he'll do for you, church, no, no, no. When, when you see what he wants to do for you, then everything changes. The father says, he says, from childhood he's dealt with this, and his words kind of sounded like doubt. And, and this is what happens when your words sound like doubt. It feeds you a lie, a lie that you care more about your situation than God does. Doubt makes you think you care more than God does. Now, I had to wrap my mind around this one because if, God, if we think we can possibly care about anything more than God cares about it for us, then, then that would mean a few things aren't true. Like when the Bible says that he knows every hair on your head. When the Bible says that he numbered and ordered every one of your steps. In your substance, he knew the end of your story. When he called you before you were born. Like if, if he knows the beginning and the end, if he knows every single day, if he numbered every single one of them, then can I tell you there's no possible way that there's anything that we care about more than God cares about for us. God cares about your marriage more than you do. God cares about your kid more than you do. God cares about your career more than you do. But not until you say, God... I'm going to use my words with my faith. Will I begin to see what looks like death, what looks like dead, change? Somebody needs to take their words back this morning. So I'm closing. The band's going to start making their way back up here. I, I want to say this, that if we're going to be people in here in 2020, if, forget Christianity, forget Project Church for a minute. If we're simply going to be followers of Jesus in 2020, that people want to get behind, that the world's going to see us in the grocery stores and in the malls and say, I, I want to be like that. I noticed something different in their life. If we're going to be the type of community that people say, man, that Christianity thing's weird, but 
their love and their joy is real. The only way this is going to be possible is if we stop allowing the labels and the words that people have spoken over us to be the final word. Because when we allow other people's word to be the final word, we actually just go, you know, we hunker down. And we use these final words, the five final words. Maybe you've said them. It is what it is. Can I tell you, with Jesus, it never is what it is. It is only who he is. It is only what he wants to do and who he is. He says the final word. So in 2021, if we're going to be the type of community where people say, I got to be a part of that, then we have to be the community that says, nope, I know it's tough. I know it's difficult. But he has the final word, and I hold out hope until he says it's over. And can I tell you, with Jesus, the good news, it just keeps on coming. The good news, it just keeps on coming. The brain's going to come back up here. I think, I hope, Sam's the guy who plays piano. He's, he's awesome. Let's let him have it when he comes up. And he also has my name, so I love him more for that. But I want to give you some very practical advice because I tell our youth students all the time, I think practical sometimes can be the most spiritual. And, and a pastor in my life when I was young told me this, and it changed the way I lead, changed the way I pastor, it changed my marriage, it changed how I'm going to be a father, it changed everything. And I think it will do the same for you, and it's so simple. Get this tattooed later. I'm not endorsing that. <laughs> Four simple words. Three simple words. <laughs> Pray before you say. Pray before you say. I wonder what type of community we could be. I wonder what type of Christians we could be. Man, I wonder if people would see the early church inside of us if we were the people that said, I'm going to pray before I say. I wonder how much more our marriages could be healthy if we were those people. I'm not gonna harp on it, but I'm gonna give you two more practical ones that I just started practicing. It's pray before you say, and then it's pray before the day and pray through the day. Because we got things that, you know, we're gonna have hard conversations, we're gonna have conflicts, and I guarantee you that if you look at your calendar and you start praying over every single one of those appointments, you'll have a peace that surpasses all understanding. You'll have a grace that fills your words. You'll have a love for people that you did not have before. Pray through the day. I'm going to read this last verse and we're closing. It says, Jesus, he asked the boy's father. His son's situation had not changed. He's irate. Disciples couldn't heal it. The doubt has kicked in. He's at this lowest point. He's overwhelmed. And he, he says this to Jesus. If you can do anything, take pity on us. To which Jesus replies, you know, I just like, I just gave somebody their vision back. I just opened somebody's deaf ears. I just raised Lazarus from the get grave. If, if I can do anything, he says, if you can, Jesus said, everything, say everything. Everything is possible for the one who believes. I could stop here because a lot of you stopped believing me right when I said that. A lot of you read this verse and you, you kick right over like, man, verse of the day, that's amazing. But you don't believe it. You don't believe everything's possible because the supernatural has been kind of weird to you. And I believe that today that God wants to make the supernatural super normal for a lot of us. I think God wants to set a fire in your heart again to believe that whatever you're looking at, it's not final. It's not over until he's done with it. And he says, everything's possible for the one who believes. And the father replies, I do believe. But help me overcome my unbelief. Do you know what another word for overcome is? Another word for overcome is overwhelmed. 
He said, I'm overwhelmed by my situation, but Jesus, if you can do anything, overwhelm me. Overwhelm me with your goodness. Overwhelm me with your miracles. Overwhelm me with your love. Overwhelm me with your grace. God, that's who he is in his strength. Even in our weakness, he's strong. And he wants to remind us today that whatever you've walked in with, overwhelmed by, God will overwhelm that thing. God wants to overwhelm what's overwhelmed you. He wants to overwhelm the stress that you're walking in. He wants to overwhelm the bad report that you're holding on to. He wants to overwhelm the thing that you have yet to let go of. Because you may have been overwhelmed by what's been difficult, but he will overwhelm you with his goodness and with his grace today. 2 Corinthians 4.13, my favorite verse in all the Bible. Uh, It's so simple. It just says this, I believed, therefore I spoke. I believe, therefore, I spoke. God gave us a power of a thing called prophecy, which is literally, prophecy just means foretelling what God will do. And it's found in his word. If we just speak out his word, all of a sudden, we begin to see something different. I believe, therefore, I spoke. And you might have walked in today addicted. You've been walking through it for decades. You haven't been able to kick that sin habit. Can I tell you, you don't have to declare that anymore. You're in a community, in a place where two or three are gathered, that God is there. And he says, don't declare what's wrong. Declare my word which is I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. Behold, all things are new. You may have walked in with a bad report the doctors have given you. Can I tell you? You don't have to hold on to that. Maybe you've been praying for cancer to leave somebody's body. You don't have to hold on to the report of cancer because the Bible says that by his stripes that we've been made whole. His blood brought us close. You can just begin to declare the words of God. Why? Because everything is possible for the one who believes. And I'm closing. I got a story I want to tell you briefly. But if I had to wrap up my whole message, my whole life, if I had to wrap up the the gospel for the one who walked in this morning that you don't even know about this Jesus thing. Look, I'm not going to implore you to do anything other than what God's already doing in your heart. But if I had to tell you what the gospel says in a few short words, John 3.16 is a great one, but Romans 8.31 says that if God is for us, who or what can be against us? Can I tell you that if God is for you, oh man, I don't care what they say. Oh man, I don't care what you say. If God is for you, what can be against you? He'll work it together for your good. He takes broken things and somehow he makes them into beautiful things. He takes the ashes of what you thought was dormant and he speaks life over it. Friend, if you and me came in here and we were started out of the dust of the earth and his breath just had to touch it, today I'm telling you, all he's got to do is just breathe on you again. And whatever you thought was dead, he'll bring life to again today. And this became really real for me recently. My wife and I, Father's Day 2020, decided that we were going to start our family. Woo, it's a hard one. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now that I'm, I'm going to preach to you something that I'm living. We had a miscarriage 10 weeks in. And we, we said, God, we didn't think this is what you had for us, but we know that you've got a plan. This, it took us months and months to get pregnant again. December comes around. We finally find out we're pregnant again. Um, we're, we're obviously hesitant to tell anybody. Um, 12 weeks go by. And we find out we're having a boy. That's what I prayed for. I want a little boy to run together with and, and play with. And the greatest news for me in the world, we find out we're having a little boy. A week after that, we go in for an appointment. And in that appointment, we find out that, that they saw some things that they, it didn't look good. They were concerned. And to name a few, his, his heart wasn't super regular. Um, 
his hands weren't opening, his neck was enlarged, and they said, um, Mr. and Mrs. Flurry, as they sat us down, they said, we don't know how to tell you this. Uh, but the diagnosis doesn't look good, and so we want to, without diving too deep into it, we want to give you two options right off the bat. Number one, we think you should consider an abortion right now. And I want to say that I was bold in my faith in this moment, but I wasn't. And they said the second option is, is you can prepare for the worst, that your baby won't make it or he will make it to term, but he's going to die shortly after. And I, I remember sitting back in my chair like a gut punch had just taken the wind out of me. And I remember my wife, I don't know where it came from, but it was that motherly, godly confidence sits up and says, doctor, respectfully, thank you for telling us what you found, but you don't have the power of the final word. And I want to say, listen, I want to say that I, I walked out with great faith, but we got home that night, couldn't go to bed, 10 o'clock rolls around, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, can't sleep. Finally, we, we wake up and we say, we got to pray. So we go into our prayer room and we met, we met heaven in that prayer room and we walked out with a new boldness that I didn't know we were going to find. Long story short, we get another appointment with the number one medicine doctor for fetal care in Sacramento. It was a God appointment. Three months booked out, had a friend call, canceled two appointments, brought us in. He looked at it. We're six hours into ultrasounds at this point. Now, I want to pause the story. I want to flash back. There's a book I recommended to a lot of people in this room. I, I, I still recommend it. Circle Makers by Matt Batterson. I remember in this moment, my wife said, hey, tell me about the book. I'm going to read it. And I said, you know, it's an amazing book. It encouraged me in my faith that I got to pray over everything, that I got to believe that everything's possible. And as I'm sitting at the dinner table, but I said, you know what, Ben? If I'm honest, I, I don't want to be the father or the husband. I, I don't want to be the pastor or the community leader that, that I recommend good books because God's done amazing things for other people. I said, I want to sit at my dinner table and I want to declare what God has done today. I want to declare what he did last week, last month. I want it to be fresh. I want to talk about the miracles that he's doing. And so we flash forward and I remember this moment and I can only imagine if our doctor that was doing the ultrasounds for the six hour that we were in there, how uncomfortable she was. Because if you listen to a video, I'm not going to show it now. Uh, there's a video of me, me and my wife just praying so loud. I can imagine how uncomfortable that doctor was. But we're praying in faith. And after six hours, the biggest concern was that he would not open his hand still. And they were worried that this was going to be a deadly disease. Six hours, the last minute, she says, I'm going to go back. And I'm going to look. He hasn't been doing it, but I'm going to go back and look one more time. And his hand had been clenched up for every appointment we've been into. She says, I'm going to go back and look. And she starts doing the ultrasound. Nothing's changing. She says, all right, I'm about done. And right before she pulled off the ultrasound equipment, the baby's hand just starts opening and closing, opening and closing. And I don't want to just tell you, wow, look what God did for me. No, I want to remind you today, friend, that everything is possible for the one who believes. And listen to me, when you align your words with your faith, miracles are the result. Miracle, healthy marriage is the result. Godly kids are the result. Prodigals returning home is the result. But we got to take our words back this morning, church. Come on, can we stand to our feet? I'm done. I'm going to pray for us. I, I want us to worship. I want us on Father's Day 2021 to start declaring who God is. Start declaring what he's going to do. And listen, I, I know it's crazy. I know it seems too good to believe when I just say, if you simply align your words with your faith. But if your heart's in the right area.
If you're speaking out God's truth, can I tell you that everything is possible for the one who believes? And it seemed crazy for me. I'm like, God, I, can I really preach this? He said, I, I want to remind you what I did for Joshua when I told him to pray for the sun to stand still. And he said, I'm going to align my words with my faith. And all of a sudden, the first time in human history, the sun stood still for 24 hours. The same thing for Joshua. God said, walk around the walls of Jericho seven times. What happened? Walls came down. God told Moses to go by the water to have his back up against the wall where he couldn't fight for himself. And then he said, use your words. And then what happened? The walls were, the, the waters were split in two. Can I tell you that everything is possible for the one who believes? And I know it seems crazy, friend, but it's crazy until he does it for you. And this morning, oh, church, I want to be in a live church. I want people to see this community and say, there is something real happening in there, something I can't ignore, something I can't just walk by, but something I got to experience. That's who we can be. Do you want to be those people? Today, we have the opportunity to be those people. I'm going to pray for some people in this room, but I'm going to tell you, if you've been listening to this message and you've been searching your soul and you've been saying, man, have I been giving God the best of me or anxiety the best of me? Have I allowed my situation to overwhelm me or have I allowed God to overwhelm me? This morning, friend, I believe that God's going to overwhelm you. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I want to pray with you. The Bible says that you can cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Nothing you got to do. Nothing you got to work for. Nothing you got to do. You don't have to work extra hours. All you got to do is say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. So in this place, if that's you, you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. Maybe you've been walking away. Maybe you've done it on your own for a long time and you're saying, no, Sam, today's the day. I got to give it back to him. If he can do it, oh, I'll give him my life. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. You can put it right back down. One, God loves you so much. Two, he's going to overwhelm you. Three, put your hand up wherever you are. You want to receive Jesus in your heart. I see those hands. You can put them right back down, right back down. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for doing for me what I could not do for myself. I acknowledge I've been distant, but today I want to come close. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sin. I give you my life from this day forward and forever. In Jesus' name. Can you say amen, church? Listen, we're going to go into a song right now. And we're going to practice this because I'm honest. Uh, I'm, not the, I'm not the most favored guy when I say I love to preach a good message and walk off the stage, but it does not transform your heart. This morning, the only way it's going to seal and happen for you was when you begin to do it for yourself. And we're going to sing a song right now that we sang in the beginning, Anything is Possible. I want you to bring to mind that thing that you said, nope, nope, it, that ship has sailed. It is what it is. And I want you to declare, no, no, no. God, anything is possible for the one who believes, and I will align my words with my faith. Come on, church, let's sing. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.